So tell me a, a little bit about, I, I wanted to talk about something that's not too sexy, but it's like ugly toenails. I so, love ugly toenails. So, <laughs> so tell me in your mind, Scott, like let's talk about a fungal toenail, a maybe a traumatized nail that's thickened. Yes. And then a, a lytic nail that's on, with onycholysis that's lifted. Right. And they want to get it to reattach or they want to know if it's fungus. Like how do you, what, what's your methodology? Well, my, my most success is with the actual infection to the nail. Um, I have not had any confidence in actually reattaching a nail plate. If it's, if it's fresh and you remove it and clean it up and you uh, keep it moist and dressed, then I think it has a good chance of reattaching. If it's a chronic onycholysis, I haven't, I mean, I've tried to rough up the bed you know, really irritate it and try to, you know, write the leading margin. But no, I don't think I'm the, uh, I don't think I have any keys for that. Okay. Um, I'm just hoping to ask, eventually I'll talk to someone yeah. that does. <laughs> I don't, because I, I don't either, Scott. I don't have any keys for that. Uh, and a nail that's uh, truly traumatized, I don't think I have um, a really good answer for that other than maybe Onifix. Uh, if it's um, something that's, uh, we've had good success with Onifix with uh, incubated nails because it helps flatten them out. But if they're, you know, the nail that's, that's really wavy across, no, I haven't. I mean, you can buff it and put a clear polish on it or something like that and make it look good. But as far as making that come out normal, to me, that that matrix has been damaged and it's just done. For your yeah. Onifix, um, how often do you do it? We're fairly new. So I'm having them come back at two months, even though the company says three months. Um, and we just verify it. If it has grown out sufficiently and they need another band, we'll do that. If not, we'll just see them in two months and uh, you know reapply a band at that point. Um, uh, we haven't had a single complaint with it, but again, it's it's fairly early on. Yeah, you know that. So, I've done about fifty of them, and uh, as you've you done imagine, more than me. Yeah, the only problem has been ingrown toenail, which is obvious, and that's yeah. the reason we're doing yeah. it. So yeah. I, I I snip it out, and some I have to transition to a matrixectomy. But yeah. these are people that just want to try this before they do a matrix. Yeah. Um, and I, so, I've used it for some onycholytic nails too, proximally to see if yeah. as it stabilizes the nail, it might grow out. And I give that as an option. So sometimes it can help it to stabilize it, sort of reattach. I'm not, I don't, I'm not totally sold on it, but I'm trying it. Have you had any success with that? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause yeah. Um, I haven't done it on a ton. It's mostly I'm doing it on ingrown toenails. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm offering it to try it. But tell me about your, 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 your protocol with them. Um, so I, I send it to a local lab um, for nail fungus. I take a distal, oh, yeah. distal trimming. Yeah. Sometimes it comes back with a PAS as fungus. I don't routinely check for bacteria. And yeah. all I would do is I, I usually do Lamisil for most of my patients. I do it three months, once a day, six months, yeah. once a week. And then if need be three months, once a day, and they're doing biotin. So how do you do it? You know, I knew that we were going to talk about this. So I brought a little um, uh, order form. Mm -hmm. I have no financial obligation with these people, but let's see if I can line it up. I can see it there. Yep. Microgen. 
microgen. We started using them uh, six years ago, I guess. And our world changed completely with nails. 85% come back with a bacterial infection. And you alcohol the nails off really good, let them air dry. So you clean them up. Then you take the sample and send them in. And so if Lamisil is advertising that they get roughly 13% success rate across the board. Well, and if the lab's saying they're getting 85% contamination with bacteria, well, Lamisil is not responsible to, for their failures for the bacteria. And if the nail's not improving, then it's just not improving because it's the bacteria. And so then we uh, started getting those results and we use a local pharmacy that's very committed to compounding and they will make up a, uh, a, uh, a compound oil that people paint on twice a day. They file their nails down thin and just apply that twice a day. It's a slow process. And sometimes we will, depending on what the, uh, the culture comes back at, we'll add an oral lamisil as well. And so what's, what's, what's the difference? What, what your results? I haven't uh, actually done the math on it, but it's. But it's working a lot better than it was with just oral lamisil, right? Un unbelievably better. Just unbelievably better. Yeah. Uh, four or five fold you know, four or five fold better than uh, just the lamisil alone. And the teak tree oil and stuff like that never really did much for us. Yeah, I, I, I have one that I yeah. dispense here only because it has a money back guarantee. Not that sure. I believe in it. I just, some people want it yeah. now you can try it, yeah. but I don't, I don't believe it works that yeah. well. Um, yeah. and, and, and it could be that the, the people who are using the teak tree oil and the oh what's the other stuff uh the vaseline and Vicks. the vix and you know on those that it truly helps i probably don't see those people well of course they're gonna they're gonna watch it on youtube and, and it's probably a superficial case that'll get better on yeah. its own yeah. we're just seeing the, the really bad yeah. ones I, I like I like that idea of, of doing bacteria. I'll see if my lab can do bacterial. We use a compounding pharmacy for some other stuff. I never sure. jumped on the bandwagon. Everyone, I, I just think they must get paid a lot for these compounds. That's why they do it. I don't know. It's so popular these days. Well, some pharmacies will try to promote and encourage, and they'll bring a podiatrist on as a uh, in-house consultant or something like that. And they, you know, there's a there's a pharmacist in jail in Oklahoma for, um, yeah, he was cheating pretty good. And some of the podiatrists and other family practitioners were involved and, and there was kickbacks and, you know, it was, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. So I don't have any association with that kind of thing, but um, uh, not all pharmacies can, can make this up. Wow. So well, I, I, I like the idea of, of trying and, and so for those that are listening, um, I'll, I'll put in, in the description, I'll maybe you'll just send me kind of what it what's the compound what what it's made out of. And yeah. uh, I'll send you my script. Yeah, send me uh, your script. And if people want to make something similar, yeah. if it's compounded, well, anyone can make it, you could give it a well, shot. You do yeah. it for everyone that has nail fungus. 
everybody that wants to treat it, not everybody is willing to paint their nails twice a day. Yeah. And, and it's a slow thing. So, and is it, you, do you always do it with Lamisil or only sometimes with Lamisil? Everybody gets Lamisil topical. Okay. And, I'm sorry, Lamisil, not oral. Right. Everybody will get Lamisil in the topical. Um, even if I get a culture back that has no bacteria, no fungal infection, it's just so prevalent that I will, I just include it in the, uh, the script anyway. In the script. And so, and they probably only take it one pill. And grind it. I remember we used to do that with Gordochrome. Remember you grind it up with Gordochrome? Oh, yeah. 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 But uh, I'll send you the uh, script pad. And each script that we're writing is really, there's there's some pretty common ones, but um, they're modified based on the culture that comes back. And we change the compounds around. Hmm. So, but, I, but I'll, uh, if you give me your email, I'll send that. And, yeah. No, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what other, what other things that like you, I don't know, I think we all have things like for me, these checklists and these treatment evaluators make my life a lot easier. And, and I wish everyone knew about it. Are there other things that are working really well for treating common podiatric things that you're doing? That you, my, I, nurse. Huh? My, my nurse works very well. She's been here 14 or 15 years. And she's an RN and she, I've, I've been able to, to be a little lazier because she's so sharp. Yeah. And she will say, hey, what about this? You told me that you wanted to include this or, you, you know, and so she's just sharp like that. She is mm. uh, on top of it and she will, um, uh, so having good help because yeah. I, I get distracted there's a lot of things going on and I might not remember something I really did want to do. And she is just on top of it. So I think that help is probably uh, the most important thing for me. That's um, good. Do you use yeah. a scribe or do you type your notes or what do you do? We type our notes, but uh, all our notes are done when we walk out of the room. It's, um, it's just done. And she does the majority of it. And we have, uh, two hours in the mornings where she can prep all those notes. And, and if we schedule correctly, we know who's coming in and what the deal is. And unless something, you know, comes in different, of course, you don't know about the new patients, but, um, uh, and she just kind of preps that in advance and the day goes real nice. That's good. Um, so tell me about your, we'll talk about nails. It's not too exciting, but a lot of us do it. Um, when you're treating a nail fungus, I usually see them back at two weeks just to go over the pathology results, maybe order LFTs. And then I see them three months later and then maybe six months. Is that kind of, how do you kind of do it? Uh, the same thing. I just want to make sure that because uh, they're not changing fast uh, with your treatment. And so I just like to make sure that we're not having a inappropriate reaction because there is urea in that compound. And I've had a few kind of nasty responses, but it's just really basically just make sure that they're doing well. And then after that three week check, then that's three months. Yeah. And then, and then three months and then three months because it is a slow deal. And then, and then, so it takes about a whole year, right? You wait, wait for the whole oh, year. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, they don't need to use the compound anymore. Right. I try to have them use it uh, intermittently just mm -hmm. as a maintenance. Okay. Most of them kind of quit. It's, it, it gets pretty uh, um, fatiguing 
Oh them. yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean how many times if I don't always do my physical therapy on my shoulder just because I get lazy. It's not really bothering me that much. So yeah. why do I think about it? But I don't. So I heard a I heard a good quote. I was in this derm lecture. And they said, you know, the number one thing you can do to make your patients use uh, the topical or whatever you, you're telling them to do or any exercise, it's you increase the frequency of your visits. If you see them every three days, they're more likely every week, every two weeks. And so the reason you do it sometimes, like I a lot of times see someone for plantar fasciitis and then two weeks later, only to make sure they bought the new shoes, got the over-the-counter yeah. inserts, scheduled their physical therapy. And I... And I'll make sure they do it in two weeks just to, just to keep them accountable. I think we get paid a lot of time just to keep them accountable to stuff, you know? You know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, uh, I would be curious. Um, I know that you do some stuff. And if you're done with the nail thing, uh, I know that you do some stuff with intermittent fasting. Yep. And, and I went to the family um, practice guys at the hospital. We're all sitting around eating and and uh, wasting time at the hospital between cases. And, and so I just asked her, I said, so what do you guys do for uh, helping people lose weight? Their response was very telling. They just started laughing in unison. And so I said, what do you mean? You know, what's the deal? And they said, so you're in private practice. You want people to come see you and you wanna tell them something they're not going to do and you're just gonna make them mad. I'm like, no, I'm trying to help them, you know, lose weight because we have a real high population of uh, obesity and that does not help feet. And so I was curious what they do. They don't. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They don't talk about it. They don't, now if the patient asks, you bet, well, here, let's go to the, the nutritionist. So what I, what I do, and, and the reason I got into this is I always go back like prox, what's the cause? So people come in for foot yeah. pain and sure. I ask them, well, how'd you injure yourself? Yeah. 80, 90% they're working out. And I ask, well, do you like to work out? And they tell me, no, no. And I, said, I say, well, why are you working out? And then it goes back again. And they, well, cause I want to sure. lose weight. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so you wanted to lose weight. You're working out and you hurt your foot. Okay. So if I really want to help them, I try to help them with weight loss. Now, I am not a weight loss doctor, um, sure. but I've been intrigued and I've just, I just kind of use myself as a test kitchen. Yeah. And, uh, and so I have a page on my website, drpelter.com slash diet. So if anyone wants to look at it, that's, yeah. and I basically, I share that page with my patients Yeah. And, and I've done a lot of lectures at the libraries here and they've asked me to do lectures and they're like really well attended <laughs> and, cool. uh, and I and I'm I'm looking for someone locally that I could refer them to because I my success rate is I usually have two patients a year that lose between 60 and 100 pounds. But that's impressive. You know, and they come in and they actually do it. And I have a whole like PDF of how they do it. I you start with 12 hour eating window, you do a 16 eight, then you do a 24. And basically, my thought is if you want to lose lose under 30 pounds, you do one meal a day. Monday through Friday. If you want to lose over 30 pounds, you do alternate day fasting. Yeah. I tend not to tell them to do ketogenic diet until they get the fasting down. So one, one change at a time, once they get confident with the fasting, then they can do ketogenic. Usually their confidence is built up. 
that they want right. to change the way they eat. And then after that, then they can work out. Um, okay. Not a lot of them are big takers, but sometimes I see them back just to go over that with them and help them. Yeah. What, what works for you? Well, I don't know that anything really does work. Um, I know that me and my daughter are working on um, intermittent fasting and that works. But as far as patients, I try to get them off of the, uh, the treadmill, off of the, uh, the trying to jog around the block and get them into water walking. Yeah, because, less impact. Well, yeah, they're over 300 pounds. And, um, you know, the last 20 years have been completely sedentary and it, their, their system is just not designed to do that. They're just not up for it. So if they can go water walking, they'll burn a ton of calories without the damage. And so we have a few people that will follow that and most don't. I know, don't. Scott, the, the, I, I always say, I, I usually I do it, um, it's called like motivational interviewing. I kind of say, <laughs> I, I kind of yeah. see how much, how motivated they are. And I send them the resources and I say, well, if you read the book, which is the obesity code, we'll talk about it yeah. next time. So I can, I can yeah. gauge their motivation level. And then when they come in, then I'll say, you know, you might want to go to the, the fat life in the fast lane, which is a, or a diet doctor or one of these other ones to get information or get coaching. Cause everyone's different. Some need help. Some need coaching. I don't think a nutritionist, they, I don't agree with them because they're talking about like six small meals a day. Yeah. You know, it just um, doesn't work for me. Well, it doesn't work for them either. Yeah. Uh, I've been in a lot of places and I rarely see a thin nutritionist. Yeah. Come on. Think, think, think about it. If, if you guys are out and about around the country, uh, if you've got a, a stack of thin nutrition, nutritionist at the hospital, then you are an exception. Yeah. And, and it would be, yeah. So I, I don't tend to refer to them. I, I would, what I, my, my, my druthers would be if I had someone that I could refer them that they would give them like a free coaching session and then yeah. do a group, so group coaching program with my patients. That's what I would like. I haven't found out um, if that exists, but that would be the best thing, I think, because they need accountability, almost like AA. You know? Well, you know, you just said that. And when I was talking about nutritionists, it occurs to me that I've only seen a couple of heavy sports physiologists. And I wonder if sports, sports physiologists would be willing to counsel, Yeah. Um, you know, instead of a nutritionist because they seem to always be uh, very well informed and uh, in what's the latest. Yeah. Yes. And they're paying attention to the body and they're in good shape. Cool. Well, Scott, I'm going to end this interview here. I'm going to end it here because I got to go see some patients and uh, thank you. And I'll put the, I'll put the information underneath uh, this video. All right. And uh, I'll send it. Uh, uh, I'll fax it to you. Okay.